You are entering the Freedom Hut. If you thought the midterms are over, unfortunately, my friends, you're wrong. The Democrats look like they are trying shenanigans and up to stealing some of these elections. Let's get into that and also some crazy court decisions today. The hashtag judiciary is alive and well, trying to stop Trump at all costs. That and more coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. This is The Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission, or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make, make no mistake. America. Ready. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. You want him to, That's up to him. Do you want him to rein in Robert Mueller? What a stupid question that is. What a stupid question. But I watch you a lot. You ask a lot of stupid questions. <laughs> Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. Oh, man. Uh, now, now I know there's debate about this. But we've got a lot of big things to talk about. The Democrats look like they're trying to steal a Senate seat and a governorship in Florida, maybe even a Senate seat out in Arizona. We've got a lot to talk about today on the show. Also, some crazy, bad judicial decisions. Hashtag never Trump judiciary in effect. And we've got, we got some big things coming up, coming up today. But I, I want to start with this one because I just find it, find the whole thing uh, pretty, pretty amusing. And I know there's some disagreement with it. Some people say, oh, no, Buck. First of all, there's this thing that there's no such thing as a stupid question. That is false. I, I want to I set a ground rule here for the show. That is not a true thing. I don't know why people say that all the time. There are so. It, it doesn't mean that, you know, you should be mean to people when they don't know something, right? I ask questions all the time. We all have many things we have to learn. But it is, in fact, possible to ask a stupid question. So let's, let's establish that baseline. And then let's, let's, let's break down for a moment there what the question. That was just today. It was uh, the president about to hop on, hop on the, the, uh, the chopper. Get to the chopper. And that was pretty close. And uh, he was... Stopped into a little impromptu press conference or whatever, and he wasn't. Kind of, you could tell he's in a little bit of a mood today. He wasn't having any of it, you know. He's ready. He's ready to smack some some punks around a little bit, rhetorically speaking. Everybody, calm down. And but think about this question that he was asked. Ask him: Is Mueller is the Mueller probe going to get reined in by Whitaker, this new uh, acting attorney general? I mean, I guess that's a it's a valid question, except for the fact that one, he's been asked this a million times already. Two, think about what it would mean if he said yes. Then he'd be in the in the press's eyes, at least, admitting to obstructing the Mueller probe. I mean, this would be like saying, "Mr. President, you know, do, is it your plan to suborn perjury in the Russia collusion investigation?" I mean, at some point, the question you can ask it, but it's a stupid and kind of disrespectful question. You know, the the only way that he could know if Whitaker is going to rein in the Mueller probe is if he had given directions to Whitaker to rein in the Mueller probe, which would mean that he was interfering in that probe, which was, as we know, would send libs to DEFCON 1. You know, Russia's taking over. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? So I, I do think it's, uh, it's a, it was not an excellent question. That's to be sure. Stupid question, I think. I think it's fair to say stupid question. And I know, stupid question. Exactly. And I know some conservatives disagree with me, and that's fine. But there are a lot of, you know, is, is, it a, is it a good question when Jim Acosta says, I'd like to challenge you on something, sir. 
okay, hold on. You're a member of the press. You're in the White House press corps. You're supposed to ask questions. You're not supposed to have a debate with the president. You are a rude, terrible person. Absolutely true. Costa is a rude, terrible person. Total, total punk ass. Really is. Um, oh, the president had some words about Acosta. I think Jim Acosta is a very unprofessional man. I think he does this with everybody. He gets paid to do that. You know, he gets paid to burst in. He's a very unprofessional guy. Whether it was me or Ronald Reagan or anybody else, he would have done the same thing. Uh, I, look, I don't think he's a smart person, but he's got a loud voice. Is and here, wait, wait, David, do you mind if I answer the question? And. As far as I'm concerned, I haven't made that decision, but it could be others also. When you're in the White House, this is a very sacred place to me. This is a very special place. You have to treat the White House with respect. You have to treat the presidency with respect. I think that's completely valid. I don't know why it should be a surprise to anyone that the president wants to be treated like the president. You never saw anything like this. You know, the backdrop of all of this stuff we're seeing with Trump and the press is that now they want to put on their, oh, we're such serious journalists, the First Amendment, oh, we're all about it. They want to put on those serious journo hats and the speaking truth to power stuff. We were all alive for, those of you listening to the show at least, for the nine years of Obama, the year that he ran and then the eight years he was in office, when they didn't ask any hard questions. A hard question for Obama was anything other than in terms of you know the, the level of, of what they thought was a hard question was, you know, how does it feel to be so amazing all the time? If somebody said, you know, President Obama, you're almost perfect. Well, then they would have had to stop the question right there because they would have been so disrespectful to Obama. What do you mean he's almost perfect? He is perfect. How dare you, sir? A lot of that. A lot of that. And we remember it. And and that that is not going to change. right? We, we understand the press corps showed us who they were under Obama and are showing us who they are once again in the other direction under Trump. A bunch of activist partisans masquerading as objective truth tellers and guardians of accuracy in politics and information and, you know, and, and the, the mandarins of our, of our democratic norms, you know, what, all this other stuff, all this Really self-congratulatory, highfalutin nonsense that they engage in. Um, but he also, oh, by the way, he also had, he had some words for, for April. Trump was really, uh, he was in Fuego today. He also had some words about April Ryan. The same thing with April Ryan. I watch her get up. I mean, you talk about somebody that's a loser. She doesn't know what the hell she's doing. She gets publicity and then she gets a pay raise or she gets a contract with, I think, CNN. But she's very uh, nasty, and she shouldn't be. She shouldn't be. You've got to treat the White House and the office of the presidency with respect. Yep, you do have to treat the White House and the office of the presidency with respect, and liberals refuse to do it, mostly because they really believe that he is not the president. I mean, that's they've convinced themselves that he's not actually the president. But I, I like that he points out that these people who are holding... I mean, Jim Acosta actually took a selfie today with the Eiffel Tower in the background, it was like, hey, like, here I am doing my job covering the president in Paris. Hashtag First Amendment. It's like, Jim, you know, 
this is all to your benefit. There's not a none of this is hard. None of this is uh, scary for him when it comes to his dealings with the president. And people say, oh, but what about the, with this threat or that threat? I'm like, everyone I know in media gets threats. They get to a certain level. They all get right, left. They all get threats, more threats from the left. But, you know, everybody gets threats. Everybody has their security concerns. If you're in the public eye, you know, there, there can be crazies who come after you. True for politicians, true for media people, true for actors. So they just very selectively invoke this like, oh, but like the CNN journalists that are constantly feeling like they're under threat, under siege from a hostile Trump supporters. Well, what do you think it was? What do you think it was like to be a Republican in the years of Obama when there was one cable news channel that had full spectrum distribution? OK, some of you yell at me when I say this. What about the blaze? And what about one America? I know, but they're not an. The 100 million homes, that's considered full distribution. Um, they're, you know, in probably, a, I, I don't know how many they're in right now, but they're in a fraction of that. The only one that has full distribution is Fox News. And President Obama just would snidely undermine Fox News without a second thought. Say, you know, that it's propaganda. He, he, President Obama would call out individual radio hosts for, you know, basically hurting our democracy. But, you know, we didn't hear a lot of crying about the First Amendment then. These people, these people on the left... The, the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC complex. Th- these people are frauds. They're clowns and they're liars. That's that's what you got. I mean, they, you know, I mean, not all of them. I mean, there's nice people. But the, uh, the the big ticket players at these places. Yep. They are. They are engaged in a lot of dishonesty. OK, now let's get to some of the I just wanted to smack around the media a little bit. Let, let's get to some of. But, Buck, you're in the media. Not really. I mean, this is the Freedom Hut. This is, uh, you know what it is? I love how these people think that they are a check on power by trashing the president and Republicans all the time in the media. But they despise other people in the media who are a check on their power when they have a 90 percent dominance of market share in the media and platforms and personnel. So, you know, they don't want any check on their power, but they want to be a check on other people's power. Isn't that isn't that convenient? For all of them. But OK, now what you care about even more. Democrats are straight up trying to steal some elections here. I can't prove it yet, but I'm pretty sure. Now, notice how also the usage of without evidence. This is a this has become a big tell. Anytime you see a news organization that refers to without evidence in a headline or something, it always refers to something that's favorable to the left and is a criticism of the right. But they don't do it. You know, here's a fun one. The Kavanaugh allegations Without evidence, we're aired today in the Senate because that's also a true statement. You never heard that, though, did you? Never heard that one. No, no, no. But you see that with all these other things. Uh, there are a few races right now. Cinema uh, versus McSally in Arizona. And um, Gillum versus DeSantis in Florida. And... Uh, Scott versus I'm blanking, you know, the other the other guy uh, with Nelson, right? Yeah, Nelson. Thank you. Scott versus Nelson in, in Florida. Those races have now been called into question. O- originally, we were told the Republicans won all three. Isn't it interesting? L- let's just start from this perspective, that the only three races that were called and are now coming into question because of irregularities at a minimum irregularities, all three of the Mike were called for Republicans. I'm not saying that's impossible, but I do think that that is statistically significant. 
There's not a single race that was called for a Democrat that they go, oh, looks like the Republican might win. Republican. And, and you don't have this expectation that an army of left wing, highly paid uh, legal mercenaries are going to show up and try to. But, you know, the Democrats are doing that stuff. You, you know that that's underway. Governor Scott straight up called this out in Florida. Here's what he had to say. There are 66, 67 counties in Florida. Only these two counties are involved in these shenanigans. Some believe that this is simply rank incompetence. That is clearly true. But it would also be, be naive to not realize that they could be trying to overrule the will of the voters of Florida. This is where I have to, have to explain for a moment that this notion that it is hard to commit voter fraud is garbage. It's actually if you understand the statutes, for example, in Florida, it's really easy. And the chance of you being caught, especially in these early stages before the, all the, the monitors go down, and everything else, the chance of being caught is effectively zero. Producer Mike, if I'm sitting here and I'm a, and I'm a you know, somebody who's in the, in the board of elections or whatever, and I'm actually manually handling a whole bunch of different, you know, uh, you know that all you have to do if you create a little tear or you create some some stray markings on a ballot. You you are legally in Florida allowed to destroy that ballot and replace it with a new ballot, which you are, of course, supposed to mark the same way the initial ballot was marked. How could they prove that? How do they know you're starting a you're taking an old ballot and you are replacing it with another ballot that you are the one that gets to actually put the final say so on? There's no there's no audit trail of the, uh, of, of who does what with those things. And the old but you're allowed to destroy the old one in that case. So guess what? It's not hard. The chances of being caught are non-existent. This is also why libs hate voter ID so much and, and are so opposed to any voter security measures because they, they don't want it to be possible for anyone to figure out what's going on here. I mean, Al Franken stole. That was a stolen Senate seat. This already happened. He stole a Senate seat from Norm Coleman in Minnesota. That is what happened. You go back and read it. You're like, I cannot believe they got away with this. But they did. And you had Al Franken as a senator for years and years. Senator Franken cheated, cheated in that election. Oh, look at this. I just happened to have a trunk full of ballots that happened to overwhelmingly go for, you know, it's always like the kid in the class. You got to be smart enough to cheat well. You know, you you have to mix it. You can't do all of the newly found ballots go one way because that's a little too obvious. Just like if you're the kid that's always getting D's, Mike, and you steal somebody's homework and you hand it the next day. You don't hand it in to get 100. That's probably a bad idea. You hand it in, you get like, you know, you take a little little A minus, maybe a B plus on it. You know, you get like a like a 90. You don't want to go off the full 100 because it's too obvious. So you got to throw in some other things here. And by the way, I do not approve cheating on your homework, kids. Don't do that. Stay in school. Don't do drugs. Uh, we got more on this Florida stuff. Also, my buddy Charles Cook. Remember him? He's got the awesome British. Oh, my gosh. Who has a better British accent? Charles or Raheem? We could have an accent off at some point, like have them both on and I have them both like read Churchill speeches or something on air. No, that actually forget that. Have them both read like Paddington Bear. Yeah, there you go. Like this, like the adventures of the adventures of Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh and see who has a better like, oh, I'm so British. Like Charles and Raheem are both they're neck and neck on that. By the way, Raheem is going to be in for me one day next week. I got to travel to give a speech. He'll be in uh, next Thursday. On radio. Oh, we're going a little later. I'll come back. We got more on elections, on Whitaker, DOJ, some crazy judicial decisions. Uh, oh, and the uh, the uh, 
some of the folks from Black Rifle are coming to hang out, actually. Some of the former door kickers, now coffee connoisseurs and entrepreneurs. Matt Best and Evan Hafer in the flesh here in studio up in NYC. We'll be right back. There was no collusion. Uh, it's a whole hoax. This was a thing set up by the Democrats, just like they set up other things. When you look at what's going on in Florida, when you look at what's going on in lots of different locations, the Russian investigation is a hoax. It's a phony hoax. I didn't speak to Russians. The fact is, I was a much better candidate than Hillary Clinton. I worked much harder. I went to the right places. She went to the wrong places because she didn't know what the hell she was doing. I did a great job. I was a great candidate. She was a bad candidate. I went to Wisconsin. I went more to Michigan. I went to Pennsylvania. She didn't do a good job. This has nothing to do with Russians. It's a Russian hoax. When the president just lets it rip, by the way, that's my my favorite Trump is like, I don't give a what Trump. You know, he just and that was he was in that mood today. Man. I don't know what it was, but it was. And, and Mike, he even was that way on Twitter. What, what did he say about the this? He ties in Russia and Florida. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, early this morning, uh, he said, uh, you mean they are just now finding votes in Florida and Georgia? But the election was on Tuesday. Let's blame the Russians and demand an immediate apology from Putin. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so true, though, you, so know, right. you know, but people, people who were apoplectic, I mean, were completely losing their minds about Russian Facebook trolls that were saying, you know, lock her up about Hillary or something seem to have no problem whatsoever with I mean, Broward County's violating the law here for the election. I mean, they, they are breaking the law. And I know that they'll say, well, no one's really going to be held accountable, but. This is also a place that has a history of not just negligent, but even criminal activity when it comes to elections. Uh, it's just amazing. It really is. You know, but this is the way the conversation goes. You're like, hey, why isn't Broward County? Uh, why aren't those officials complying with laws that are, ensure transparency? And then, the, you know, the libs like Joe Scarborough. That's right. He's a lib. You don't want them counting every vote, do you? He said that about Marco Rubio today. And it's, well, no, actually, I just think they should obey the law and follow procedures for accuracy. And then it always turns into, why are you so racist? It's like, wait, what does that have to do with anything? I just want, I just want the election to be the way it's supposed to be. But just like with immigration, if you say enforce the law, you're a bad person and a racist. With elections somehow, if you're a Republican, you say, hey, can we obey election laws and make sure that no one is cheating? That's somehow also racist. I don't know how, but that's what they say. Either Brenda Snipes is corrupt, stupid, or both. And I think we've got a lot of examples of a variety of those circumstances, and it's not just Republicans saying that. Remember, Brenda Snipes destroyed ballots in 2016. Who the hell destroys ballots? That was, look, she was either doing it because she was trying to help party boss Debbie Wasserman Schultz, or because she didn't know any better not to destroy ballots. This is somebody that should not be in office. I am calling on Ken Densler, the Secretary of State, to put this office under receivership of the state of Florida. They do not know what they're doing. You know, Rapunzel spun straw into gold. Here, you're spinning tens of thousands of ballots out of thin air. Out of nothing, there's no chain of custody for these ballots. There's no, um, there's no ballot reconciliation where we see at each polling place how many ballots were sent, how many were voted, and how many were turned unvoted. That these are the checks against corruption, and they're hiding. Uh, 
uh, Snipes is corrupt, right? That's what because he's referring to Snipes there, who's the in charge of elections in Broward County, right? Yeah, she's the uh, Broward County supervisor of elections, and they were yeah. chanting "Lock her up" in the background there. Well, they're saying "Lock her up" or, or "She is corrupt." Oh, I think it's I think it's Snipes is corrupt. Were they saying "Lock her up"? I don't know. Is this like a Laurel or <laughs> whatever? Remember what was it? Yeah, Laurel, Yanny or Laurel? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it might be uh, maybe you know. Mm. My ears are old. What both work. Yeah, both work. Hey, it's, it's the same idea. I think we can all agree. It's, it's either she's corrupt or lock her up or both. Um, but yeah, they're definitely yelling stuff. She she's already been. I mean, as that was Matt Gates, uh, Congressman Gates, uh, who's a fun dude. Um, he's saying that she's already gotten in trouble in the past. We we have a caller who just wants to give a shout out because she loves Black Rifle so much. Who is it? Patty from Alabama. Yeah. We go, all right, Patty from Alabama. Apparently, you are very enthusiastic about our Black Rifle friends who are coming on the show later. Hey, Buck, you rock star, you. Hey, Patty. I'm 55, <laughs> um, I'm 55 so, you know, Miss Molly has no competition. But anyway, um, I just wanted to say thank you for turning me on to Black Rifle. It has it has changed my life. I am sharing it with, I've tried several different blends. I started off with Beyond Black, which I grew up with Navy Coffee, which was like molasses. And so I thought that would be right for me, and it was just a little too much. So then I kind of worked my way down to a little smoother blend, and I'm at AK-47 right now. So, um, but all the beans, they say, keep, you know, share with first responders, that sort of thing. And I've been doing that with my postman and all that. So I just want to shout out to the Black All right, I'll tell them. guys, you know, but, Buck, I want to say to you, that um, you are doing you are doing something that and I feel like that you are going to be above and beyond Rush Limbaugh one day and I want you to know that now because that that that's going to happen you know that that's in your future but you say things in a different way you know there's no Rush and Sean and all of that they do a phenomenal job and I've been listening to Rush since 1988 so you know, not a babe in the woods there, but you do it in a different way and you just say it and you say it just like it is. And this thing in Florida is making me crazy. It's, it is Bush all over again. And if only we had James Baker to go back down there, I just pray, hope and pray that we have the equivalent or even better than James Baker to go down there and handle this. Well, well, Patty, you're my new favorite person, so thank you for calling into the show. I'm glad you enjoyed Black Rifle, and I will make sure the guys, when they come in, that they hear your clip. Shields high, and thank you so much for calling in. Look at you, Producer Mike. You know, you're picking, picking good ones today, Producer Mike. Uh, just kidding. Usually Mike has got all these people on hold, and I'm just, I'm just blabbing and blabbing and blabbing and blabbing, and I forget, and he gives me the little hand signal of like, hey, there's other... But that's what that's what roll call is for. Darn it! Um, it's easier to write than to uh, get to phone calls or to call somebody on the phone. I would think. Man, I got to go to another segment in a second here. I didn't even. I just Patty just gave me the vapors. I just lost my. I just lost my train of thought. Um, where was I on that? Oh yes, uh, Whitaker. The Dersh sounded a bit like the Buck, which isn't the first time. So here's the issue, right? They keep saying that that Whitaker, the new acting attorney general, needs to recuse himself. That's what they really want. They want him to recuse himself. And the problem with that is that they want Whitaker, based on nothing, saying nothing that is really recusable, to recuse himself. But they don't have an answer to this, which is why is it that Rosenstein, 
who clearly has a conflict of interest as to what is going on here because he was involved in aspects under investigation. Why is there nothing there? And uh, the answer is they don't really have an answer. Here is uh, the Dersh doing his thing. What they want is for the investigation to be conducted by Rod Rosenstein instead of Whitaker. Rod Rosenstein is much, much, much more subject to recusal than Whitaker. Uh, Rod Rosenstein is a witness. He's the one who wrote the letter. According to the book Fear, actually it was maybe his idea initially to uh, fire uh, uh, Comey, and that's the main subject of the obstruction of justice investigation. And so you have a man overseeing the investigation who was a possible subject or target and certainly a witness of the investigation, and yet none of these state attorney generals are calling for his recusal. Rosenstein's uh, uh, recusal is not a matter of dispute. He should have been out of this case from day one. Does anybody on the left have an answer to that? No, of course not. Because fundamentally what this is really all about is what he said, which is that they want Rosenstein. Every analysis that they give you, everything that they say about this is is for that purpose. They want Rosenstein. They think Rosenstein is anti-Trump. Therefore, he's the only person that they're comfortable in the job. You could pick 10 other people from the DOJ, by the way, and they'd still complain because they want Rosenstein because they know that the fix is in. That's that's what they think on the left. No principles, just whining Democrats. There you have it. That's pretty much the show. But uh, we've got more coming up. I'm just kidding, including our friends from Black Rifle. Stay with me. Okay, so there's a mess in Florida right now. We know that much. Florida's gonna Florida, but we've got somebody who can actually make some sense of things for us, who can perhaps shed some light on just what's happening there. How is it that they can't keep to deadlines? Why can't they just do what all the other counties do in Broward? Charles Cook is with us now. He is the editor of nationalreview.com. Mr. Charles, great to have you with us. And by the way, Charles is a resident of the great state of Florida, so he's Close to the action. I'm a Florida man now. Yeah, indeed. But you live in the good part of Florida, right? Where they still love America and freedom. Very much so. Very much so. I live in the SEC part of Florida, South Georgia, basically. South Georgia. There you go. So tell me this, Charles. What the heck is going on? Why can't they count ballots? Why can't they get this right? Well, there's a couple of things going on. The first one is that Broward County and, to a lesser extent, Palm Beach County are extraordinarily incompetent and don't seem to be able to process elections. Uh, It will surprise nobody to learn that Broward County was the county that precipitated Bush v. Gore, or that uh, Brenda Snipes, who's the commissioner in Broward County, uh, has actually been in trouble before breaking federal and state law uh, and for destroying ballots illegally. Uh, unfortunately, she's elected, so there's not much that anyone can do about it. Uh, that will tell you all you need to know about the voters of Broward County. Um, so the first thing is they're extremely bad at it, and there aren't any excuses that can be used to justify this, given that Miami-Dade County is also huge. Duval County near Jacksonville is huge, and they both managed to uh, do what was expected of them in a timely manner. So you, you've got a background here of incompetence in Broward County and to a slightly lesser extent in Palm Beach. But you've also got rampant law-breaking. Now, one of the things that I think the national press has slightly misunderstood is that it's not obvious that these uh, votes that are being found or processed two days after the election are fraudulent. 
what is obvious is that we can't tell where they're from, whether they're legitimate, um, or even how many of them there are, because Broward County and Palm Beach County are both in violation of the state constitution and the Public Records Act. It is the law in Florida that you have to report every 45 minutes uh, as to what you're doing. You have to be able uh, to account for how many votes there are, of what sort they are, and how many you have processed, and they won't do it. Uh, and Brenda Snipes simply refuses to do it. She says she doesn't know, she doesn't care, she won't talk to the press, she says she's going for a rest. Um, today she started her job an hour and a half after she was supposed to. Rick Scott has won twice now, once in Palm Beach County this morning and once in Broward County this afternoon, uh, and he is essentially forcing uh, the commissioners in those counties to follow the law and put out the information they're supposed to. And then we'll have a better idea uh, as to what is going on with these ballots that seem to have come out of nowhere. I mean, Charles, this seems like, at a minimum, if one was to engage in intentional shenanigans, and you've already established there's there's a history here of incompetence, and there's no question that there's at least incompetence because other very large uh, precincts in Florida have been able to adhere to Florida law when it comes to elections. So this is a Broward specific issue right now. As we know, Broward, I think, votes, what, 70 percent Democrat generally. I mean, this is uh, one of the biggest blue strongholds of anywhere in Florida when it comes to votes. But if you were to maybe uh, be somebody who wanted to engage in some kind of shady stuff when it comes to votes, not, for example, reporting as you go along so that you don't establish a baseline of how many votes there actually are, would seem to at least be a, a precondition for some of the ways that this could be skewed. That's correct, and that's exactly why these laws exist. And I think that even if you think that there's nothing untoward happening, that all we're viewing at the moment is rank incompetence, you should still be deeply, deeply upset by this because it makes Broward County look extremely shady. Uh, it gives the impression that something untoward is happening. Uh, it infuriates people quite rightly, and it diminishes their trust in the system. I'll give you a good example of it. Again, I'll, I'll make this clear. I am not saying that there is corruption afoot. I don't know. There's been no evidence thus far that there is. But a tweet from a reporter who is in the room in Broward County 18 minutes ago says, even though Broward said yesterday they counted all early votes, Broward SOE staffer told us there are several bags of uncounted early ballots, not a lot, tens of ballots, he said, unclear when they knew about these. Well, there's two options, aren't there? One is they're incompetent. They found them under a desk. They hadn't processed them properly. They didn't put them in the right place. Another is that they've invented them. Now, I think Occam's razor suggests that incompetence is a likely explanation, but it's not unreasonable for someone who is already suspicious to look at that and say, hold on a moment, <laughs> that doesn't happen elsewhere. That doesn't happen in the Republican strongholds in Florida. This all seems to be going in one direction. Well, this, is where, th this is where I start to say that you, you go from being a conspiracy theorist to a coincidence theorist, and, and this is certainly true in this case in, in Florida, but when you when you extend it beyond Florida, somehow, Charles, whenever there's an election that has been called in 2018 so far uh, that has gone one way and then all of a sudden 
there's all this other stuff that starts making go the other. It never tra- it never tends to, uh, to go toward a Republican. It, the, the trend is never for the GOP. When the lawyers descend and all of a sudden there's a lot of, oh, we just found this extra bag, as you just said, just extra bag of votes we didn't know about. All of a sudden, the Democrat starts gaining. And, and I can't help but feel like this is this is a pattern, whether it's, as you say, I can't say that it's intentional, but it certainly looks bad. And for people, by the way, who in the media in particular have made such a big deal about Russian troll farms and Facebook yeah. stuff to act like this isn't a big deal. This is, by any reasonable standard, a much bigger threat to our faith in democratic institutions in this country than some fake news on Facebook. I think that's absolutely right, yes. And I think the hypocrisy is galling. And it would perhaps surprise some of the figures within the national media to know that this is not a partisan question down here. People are angry. People are angry on both sides of the aisle. Democrats I've spoken to are angry because they think it undermines the system. Um, One thing you should probably be aware of is that this is going to get worse. (laughs) Okay. That's usually a safe bet. Go ahead. Well, what I mean by that is that By my calculations, uh, by the time that the unofficial vote deadline rolls around tomorrow at noon, um, there are still going to be considerable leads for both Ron DeSantis and Rick Scott. But we are going, nevertheless, to head into a recount because they will fall under the threshold in both cases. And at that point, you are going to see the worst of the Democratic Party. You're going to see lawfare. You're going to see extremely highly paid and creative attorneys descending on the state of Florida and coming up with all sorts of reasons as to why this vote shouldn't be counted, but this one should, as to why people's uh, inability to vote for the Senate in this county means that they must have been confused, their rights have been violated, and votes must be tallied up uh, for Bill Nelson. Uh, You are going to see... Um, some of the sorts of shenanigans that we saw with with Bush v. Gore, unfortunately, and I and I think you know one of the, the disservices the press has done at the national level is they've made it seem as if the race is closer than it is. It is close, don't get me wrong, but it's not incredibly close. It's not Al Franken close. I mean, as it stands right now, DeSantis is winning by thirty six thousand votes and Rick Scott by fifteen thousand. That doesn't look like it's going to change a huge amount. Um, but that won't be the end of it because recounts are notoriously uh, a magnet for the worst sort of legal hucksters. And uh, I'm afraid, given that the deadline for the whole thing is the 18th of November, there's a lot more of this story yet to come. Oh, my gosh. We'll have to have you back to talk about it, Charles, because I totally agree with you on this. And just for everybody listening, keep in mind that any damage at all to a ballot in Florida, as I read it under Florida statute, means that they can create a new ballot and that then becomes the ballot. And it all is based upon the trust in the people running the election of the people that are actually manually doing this, that they mark it the same way. That's a lot of trust. That is a lot of trust. Yeah. Um, Now, we will have observers. I imagine both parties will come in. Um, Both sets of lawyers will come in. But there are eight million votes in question. (laughs) So once you start losing people's trust uh it's difficult to regain across a system that big uh, well charles when we when we finally have uh more on this one if, if there's still the shenanigans going on we'd love to have you back hold the line down there in florida my friend i think you're living life the right way warmer weather lower taxes it's a 
embracing conservatism in day-to-day life. I should learn this from the swamp. But, Charles, thanks so much for joining us. NationalReview.com. He's the editor there. Check it out. Charles, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, thank you for having me. Team, we got more coming. Stay with us. You know what I did right before I came on air today? Posted on Snippy.com. You've probably heard me talk about Snippy for a while. Well, if you've looked at Snippy.com and left, look again. Thousands of my listeners have joined Snippy, and they're expressing their opinions and stirring up lively conversations. Snippy is an unbiased social media platform that's all about conversation and community. Snippy not only encourages freedom of expression, but guarantees its users the ability to discuss topics freely without suppression from administrators. Snippy is a place where everyone is free to express their thoughts and share their opinions and tell the world what makes them snippy. It's totally free to join, and it's open to everyone. So join me and thousands of fellow Team Buck folks and let your opinion matter. There's no shadow banning, no suppression of conservative thought ever. Now with an updated user interface and exciting new features also available in the Apple App Store and now available for Android, Snippy, your new alternative social media. Start your account today at snippy.com. At Carmen's in New York City, um, wearing my Make America Great Again shirt and hat. Um, We originally walked inside and asked for a table for two. And he said that the wait was two hours because of our hats. Um, then when we walked in, as you can see from the video, um, he completely avoided us, but he had a table prior to for um, just a random incomer. So, so we got turned down as two Jewish women. Two Jewish women just got, got turned out down. of a restaurant in New York. So thank job. you for that. Carmine's. What are you doing here? John, you ever been to Carmine's in New York City? Yeah, is it good? Yeah, it's all right. I think they have a Carmine's in D.C. too. Okay, folks, so what happened here? You got a couple of women who are on video. It's getting a lot of attention, of course, because they're wearing MAGA hats. And they're they're saying that they didn't get uh, seated at a restaurant because of their uh, MAGA hats. And uh, I would just say, all right. Let's take a step back for a moment. Is it possible that these women maybe misunder, misrepresented, misunderstood the situation? And it, it's possible. Do I think they probably knew exactly what was going on there, and they were in fact denied uh, denied you know decent treatment at a restaurant because of their politics, because they're wearing "Make America Great Again" hats? Yeah, I think that's pretty likely. I think that is that is probably what happened. And and one of the reasons I think it's probable is because that's just the environment we're in now. You know, we, we talk about some of these big events. We talk about some of these very uh, troubling and in some cases even scary incidents. The, the Tucker Carlson thing, that's just scary. That was just frightening to read about. Never mind, I can't even imagine for, uh, for Mrs. Carlson inside the house. But, you know, we see these big, we, these, these big uh, events that occur that get a lot of media attention because they're so scary. But... You know, then there's the lower level stuff, which is very widespread. And I'm here to say, I think it's also very pernicious in its own way. I think it's also really, really troubling um, where you have little things, you know, minor things like like, here's an example. I I was speaking to a friend of mine recently who's, uh, you know, he's on the on the dating scene, you know, and, and he's he's doing a fair amount of the apps. You know, he's on the different apps and things. And he says, it's just remarkable how many women. You know, and this guy's in his in his late, late 30s. 
But he says, it's remarkable how many women have in their online dating profile, you know, no Trump supporters, you know, don't, you know, no one Trumpy allowed, no MAGA hats, you know, whatever. Uh, And this is on the on the first, you know, because these things are set up so that you're swiping left or right. And it's all very, you know, kind of based on the lizard part of the brain making the decisions here. Um, Is it the amygdala? Did I get that one right? Is that the is that the lizard brain? The amygdala? I think it is. When I when I doubt myself, I tend to be right. When I'm smug, I tend to be wrong. So that's why I try to limit my smug. But the anyway, with with the dating apps, you know, producer Mike, I know you don't do the dating apps, but I'm sure you got friends who I know, I know you don't do them, but you got friends who do. Are you here? Do you ever hear the same thing? Like if you there, there are a lot of women, especially in places like New York, Philly, D.C., a lot of women are like, no, Trump, I will not go on a date with a Trump supporter. And they and they profess that in their profile now. This right. is a thing. Yeah, that's a thing. I'm sure. It's crazy. Yeah. Think about that. You're cutting out half the population right off the bat. Yeah. You know, I just think, aren't they actually doing the guy a favor though? <laughs> oh, well, absolutely. <laughs> if I were single, I'd be like, I, I want everyone to put it out. You know, I'd want right. to know right away. Yeah. I want to know because if you're really going to have a problem, if you're going to be one of these people that can't get past your your politics, I'm like, I I've got so many liberal friends. I mean, there's so many people that. I interact with all the time that are that I don't agree with them on anything, but you know, it's America, man. I thought we're all allowed to like think different things. We obey the same laws, we have the same constitution, we love the same country. Other than that, we're allowed to agree, we're allowed to disagree on whatever we want. You know? Yeah, I just I think that that's unless you're a Trump supporter. Unless you're a Trump supporter, man, the rules are changed. Here, you know what I you know what I was thinking about the other day. I was thinking about how I never uh, I've never worn a I don't have a MAGA hat. I've never worn a MAGA hat, and, and I don't. It's just not my style. I mean, I also don't. I'm not a guy who like wears flag pins. I mean, I'm just not. It's just a personal choice. I, I don't. I don't tend right. to show my politics in my, in my dress. It, you know, that makes it sound like I'm wearing a lady's dress. You know what I mean? In the way that I attire myself. Um, but I would be legitimately uncomfortable. And I think this is a really. And I've almost thought about trying it out, but I don't want to ruin my day. Yeah. I would be uncomfortable walking around D.C. in a MAGA hat. Meaning that I would pick up on the weird looks and and the heat I would get, and I think there would be an incident, and not because anybody would know, because I don't do CNN anymore, so the libs don't know, you know, they don't know my face like they used to. Right. Uh, I don't think that they would uh, would be uh, would be okay with it. Meaning that I right. think that I'd have an incident if I Absolutely. if I spent a day in D.C. out and about on the street, going to restaurants, walking into coffee shops with a MAGA hat on, somebody would say something, and I promise you. I could walk around in D.C. for a week with a, you know, uh, a, a Biden Bernie 2020 hammer and sickle T-shirt on and nobody would say a damn yeah. thing. Now, and in they, fact, in fact, I get yeah. I'd get a free pumpkin spice latte, producer Mike. <laughs> yeah. Which now going going back to that, see, my theory is with these people is they rarely say to you when they're by themselves or one on one. See, they travel like Antifa. They travel in packs. They never do it by themselves. So would they do it to you if they were by themselves or would they wait and get their little pack rats with them and well, see, then I, say something to you? I, I think I think, yes, you're correct. But I also think that if they're in a in a public setting where they have like a, you know, they you have know, a security camera and, and a counter and everything yeah. and they feel like, you know, yeah. you're not not in my Starbucks, buddy. Right. You know what I mean? That's why I drink black. Actually, I was talking to my mom about this the other night and. I, I, my, she's like, I'm worried about like you guys, you know, I'm worried about Buck in DC. I'm worried about you in New York. I mean, these people are crazy. And I said, mom, they're punks. You know, they don't do, they don't do this stuff by themselves. No, it's, it's, it's when there's a pack of them for right. sure. Uh, you know, you rare, you rarely see, 
anybody, any of these lefties, it's really true because there would be videos of this. You rarely see a lefty who is one-on-one go up to somebody who's a Trump supporter and just like really get into it with them. It's always really group. The only exception, this is sometimes on college campuses, but I feel like there, they feel like they're all in a safe space and they can do whatever they want and there'll be no consequences. Did you see that, that the woman who went crazy in that video about how, was it Crowder? One of those guys was like, was messing with some of the college. I forget. No, it wasn't Crowder. It wasn't even, I think it was just a campus reform. I forget. There's a video of this woman who goes crazy about how, uh, the Nazis weren't socialists. Did you see this video? And she's like, I'm a history major. The Nazis were. I don't think we played on the show because there were so many curses. She cursed so much. Wow. No, I have to check that out. That won't go by. Oh, oh, she's a history major and she's furious because she claims the Nazis were not socialists. And, and I forget who it is. The person says to her, no, no, they were national socialists. That's actually what they were called. And, and she loses her mind, you know. So that's, that's the stuff you have to deal with. But a question for you, Mike. I actually, I would feel much more comfortable. This is true. I'd feel much more comfortable walking around with a MAGA hat in New York City. Maybe because I'm a New York native and I just like, this is my town and no one's going to take that away from me. But I would feel much more comfortable with a red MAGA hat on in New York than I would in D.C. No question. Right. Here I I feel like people at least are going to their jobs because capitalism. In D.C., they're all going to their kind of jobs as in they work for the federal bureaucracy, are unfireable (laughs) and bitter at life. There's a lot of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And plus, and people in New York are just sort of like, they care, but they're like, eh. There, we have a lot this, of crazy. We, the, one of the great things about New York is we mm. do have a, there is anonymity in the masses here. Absolutely. Meaning that you are doing your own thing. No doubt. You know, it, it's a, you know, it, so if you like that, this mm. is the place for you. And I think I've told you a story where I used to go into a coffee shop in the West Village and it was a small, co- it was like a little hipster coffee shop, like right out of the set of friends. Uh, but I used to go and I, and I kept seeing, uh, what's his name? The, one of the greatest actors, actually, of, of my lifetime. Um, the guy from Last of the Mohicans. Daniel Day-Lewis. I, I saw Daniel Day-Lewis sitting in this little coffee shop in New York like three or four times. And there's five seats. I mean, like, there's no... He's sitting. He's got the New York Times open. He's got his legs crossed, like, hanging out there. And I kept seeing because it was in my neighborhood. I'm like, what is Daniel? He's just, like, hanging out here. You know? And I remember I knew the people who worked there. And I asked one of, one of the girls who worked there. I'm like, hey, like, Mo, what, you know, what's... What's, you know, does he just, she's like, oh, he loves it here. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you guys have good coffee, but like, she's like, yeah, but she's like, it's, it's the West Village, man. Like, I'm like, does anyone ever bother him? She's like, no, no one ever bothers him. This That's is New awesome. York. And I was like, you know yeah. what? You're right. It's new. You just don't do that here. You know what I mean? That's why when people say this thing about, oh, I see a Republican that I don't like, I'm gonna get up in their face. I'm like, what kind of a savage are you? Like, we don't do that. Yeah. You know, if you see somebody in the hallway of the Senate and you want to address them with a question or whatever, as long as you maintain mm-hmm. some. You know, you obey the laws and basic decorum. All right, you want to yell out a question or, you know, yell out some of the senator so-and-so, fine. See somebody having dinner with their wife, they're having dinner with their wife. They're a human being at that point. I don't think you get to go up there unless there's some urgent, you know, particular need. I think that you don't get to go up to them and cause a scene. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Just this thing thing about these girls not getting served, it's a small thing, but when you add all these small things up, it's a big thing. Yeah. Well, we're decent people. We don't think like that, so. Yeah, no. Hard for us to comprehend. Yeah. It really is. The, the conservatives, we're, we're, not barbar- we're not barbarians. You know, that's nope. the, There's a little difference. One of the separations, John, between us and the left is conservatives, we are a civilized people. And uh, the left, they like to act like a bunch of, uh, bunch of total maniacs. So, so there's that. Um, I, I want to talk to you about a weird story coming up, so stay with me. 
We live a large portion of our lives online these days. You have no choice, right? You pay bills, you're interacting with email, social media sites, browsing. Do you want companies, marketing companies, and maybe even hackers to get access to that data? You know, they can record your browsing history and they can sell it to other corporations who profit from your personal information. I decided to take my privacy back using ExpressVPN. I recommend you do the same. You see, ExpressVPN, that's a virtual private network, which means that you are protected when you are online. Your history doesn't go to the internet provider, data reseller to be sent all around. ExpressVPN is your answer for online privacy. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash buck. That's expressvpn.com slash buck for three months free with a one-year package. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash buck. One of the things that I like to talk about, as you know, when it comes to the the edges of the progressive left, is this whole transgender rights movement and what it really entails and, and what it's going to turn into, what it really means and how it, it inevitably, inevitably devolves into complete incoherence. I mean, the moment you try to test out some of the things that they're saying, you find yourself saying, uh, this, is, this is just not feasible. Like, you, you cannot hold position A and hold position B. A perfect example. Whenever they say that biology is not or, or, or rather that gender is not a binary issue and is not biological, they will then say, because you will say, okay, well, then why can't I be a different age? We've brought this up. Why can't you change your age? You know, for, say, Tinder purposes, which is what this guy is actually trying to do right now in, uh, where is it, Holland, I think. Um, why isn't age a state of mind? Why isn't race a state of mind? They say, well, no, 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 because there is such a thing as intersex, which people refer to as a hermaphrodite. And or used to refer to as a hermaphrodite. Now it's considered intersex, but that's biologically based. So if the distinction is biological, then the people that only have a psychological condition that makes them think that they are a different gender from what they're physically born as, they don't fall into that category. So it's a non, it's really a non sequitur. So they, they can't hold A and B. But here's an example of just how absurd these things will get. And this is from uh, Amanda Prestigiacomo. That's a fun name to say. John, are you like, uh, John's Italian. Were there Presta Giacomo's in the old country you were related to, John? Maybe? You don't know? That's a fun. I always thought Giacomo was kind of a cool name. Uh, 16 Canadian women have had human rights complaints filed against them by a male-to-female transgender individual. This is in Canada. So this isn't in some far, far off place. This is our cousins to the north. A male-to-female transgender transgender individual has sued them for gender identity discrimination. You ready for this, Producer Mike? I'm, we might have to earmuff you on this one. I don't know. You're not going to be able to forget this one after I tell you. He's suing these women because they refuse to wax his genitalia. Now, this is one of these moments where you say, Buck, this is so bizarre. Why are you telling me this? No, no, no. We, we have to play this out for a moment because, as some of you no doubt know, there are... Salons where they will wax areas of the female, the, the female anatomy. I'm just describing the procedure. I'm not being prurient here. Uh, they will wax in order to deal with hair. It could be your armpit. 
It could be your forearms if you got kind of hairy forearms. You know what I mean? Or like the forty-year-old virgin. You're. Or or you could be hair. the dude who just wants to take care of that chest hair. Yeah. You know what I mean? It could be. But usually the understanding is that if you are female and you are going to have people down in the special parts region for a procedure, that you'll have a female that does it. And and if you're a male, I, I you know. I I don't I don't know who does the the male ver I don't know maybe you get to, maybe you get to pick you get to ask but at least it's it's understandable why somebody would be uncomfortable if they were told that no you're going to have to wax these these special parts of somebody of the opposing gender because now you're touching somebody of the opposing gender's genitalia I mean you know in that you know doing doing things down around there and I, I don't know how spe- I'm not trying to get too specific here but I mean you know. Depends on the degree of the waxing, too. But this is being taken seriously. The British Columbia Human Rights Trans, uh, Tribunal is is actually taking this all the way. And this guy, um, well, whoops, no, male to female. So now female transgender uh, is demanding, I think, $2,500 a person. That's right. To withdraw the complaint. So this... Male to female individual in Canada under transgender rights law in Canada told a bunch of women in a salon, you have to do my special area or else I will see you in court and you will have to pay me a bunch of money. And the Canadian Human Rights Tribunal is saying next time, you know, you probably should just suck it up and. Maybe that's not the right turn of... You know what I mean? You need to do the waxing. You need to do the waxing. Um, so, yeah. That's what we got going on here. That's what we got going on here. I, I got to say, I'm, uh, I, I wouldn't have seen this one coming. I, I, I would not have expected that we would be at a, at a human rights tribunal in Canada in 2018, soon to be 2019, where women were, were officially being told that they have to wax male genitalia as part of their job. They do not have, as a private establishment, the discretion to say, we don't do that here. And they're going to have to pay a fine. 2500 bucks. I mean, that's, that's real money. This guy's going to, I mean, whatever, this transgender female uh, is going to get uh, 35, uh, could get 35 grand. Oh, by the way, fighting this, just to fight this in court, the Human Rights Commission is, co- is costing each of these women an estimated $20,000 in legal bills. Th- this is what's coming. This is Canada, folks. This is what's coming to this country because the left thinks that this is, a, a, this is about basic human rights. So when, when I come up with these different scenarios about how, well, what if you're a man who's, who wants to go to a woman's... It, by the way, if you're facing life in prison, and you could, without having to actually change your physiology, having to go through the surgery, right? You could you could spend life in prison as the as a man in all women's prison, or you could spend life in prison, you know, with all the scary dudes in the yard. Um, I, I think people might take door number one there, and if they don't have a clear explanation as to why you can't do that, you know, I, I need to know what what the rule what the rules are going to be. The left falls into incoherence on this. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. And this is also why 
you know, they keep yelling at us. Oh, why didn't Democrats do better in the midterms? Why? Why does this happen? They always just say, oh, we're racist. We're racist. It's always about how we're racist. And it's never about how maybe the left can just stop being crazy. And then we could have a normal conversation. Maybe, maybe they can stop pushing policies and ideas that any normal person who had not been endlessly propagandized to by the mainstream media and, and the cultural left would say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Now, that, that's, not, that's not the way that we should do things here. So anyway, just, just be careful. If you go to a waxing facility in Canada, it can get wild up there. Wild and woolly, you could say. Now, DACA, that was actually good news yesterday because you never win in the Ninth Circuit if you're on this half of the equation. When I say half, it could be half or more. But you never win. You rarely win in the Ninth Circuit. The good news is, by rejecting DACA in the Ninth Circuit yesterday, finally, we've been waiting for that. We get to the Supreme Court, and we want to be in the Supreme Court on DACA. President Obama said he had no right to sign it. He had no right but it was upheld in the Ninth Circuit, as usual. If you take President Obama's statement, he, know, he knew that he couldn't sign it. So this whole thing, is a, it's a terrible thing, what's happening with the courts. Uh, the DACA will now hopefully go to the Supreme Court, where we'll be given a fair decision. He's right. It is a terrible thing, what's happening here with the courts, because this is a, a just a, a stupid, a stupid ruling. Uh, that is driven entirely by the whims of some left wing members of the court instead of the law. Look, we, this is this is an issue that they can complicate, but it doesn't have to be complicated because there's a very straightforward line of argument here that we can all follow, that we all we don't need a law. I don't have a law degree. Some of you do, but not all of you. Obama. Point one said that he did not have the right to unilaterally suspend congressional legislation when it comes to immigration by declaring that some people cannot legally or or cannot be, will not be deported from the United States, even if they're here illegally. Point one. Point two. Obama then changed his mind because he couldn't get Congress to go along. I've got a pen and a phone. I've got a pen and a phone. And he decided that he would do this, that it was within the executive branch's discretion to implement deferred action for childhood arrivals okay and then point three president trump comes along and says okay i disagree with the with the notion that obama had this authority but if he's gonna have this authority and no court stopped him by the way then i have the authority to say well i'm actually not going to do this i am going to adhere to congressional statute and i'm going to stop this this phony baloney protection of DACA based upon executive whim. And then point five, here we are. They say, oh, no, you can't do that. So someone just explained to me. I mean, a, a court now has said that to the president. Someone explained to me, how is it possible that one president can have the authority to implement a policy and another president cannot have the authority to stop? I mean, we're not talking about something where there's a, a, a treaty that's you know been uh, signed off on by the senator. There's no... There's no competing there's no competing branch of government here. There's no overlap that no, no, no. This is just this would be like someone saying, well, a president took us to war, let's say, in one country. And the next president says we're going to end the war in that country. 
And then people and then the the federal court say, whoa, whoa, the president, before you started this war, you're not allowed to end that war. How can you have the authority to go or no go? And then they tell you you can't no go. I'm, I'm not trying to run in circles. I really mean this, though. It's this isn't a complicated matter. This is a straightforward matter. And this is where you see the ugly liberal left showing its true colors. This is where you see what they're really all about, which is the relentless and and uh, no holds barred pursuit of power. And the hashtag resistance judiciary is going to do whatever it can at every stage of the game to try. And even if they they're willing to be wrong on the law, if it delays Trump. Right. They, this is if this were a sporting event, the refs would have to call them out for delay. They have to give them penalties for delay a game because that's all this is. They don't really believe. I mean, they ultimately can't think that they will win in the end here. There's no way. H- how could how is every executive? Oh, that's right. You probably are saying, Buckle, how do they justify this? They essentially say this is a three judge panel of the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Based in San Francisco, no less. What a shock. Uh, a left coast, Ninth Circuit circus. But they say that the administration cannot phase out deferred action for childhood arrivals, uh, essentially because they say that the uh, they're saying that they move too quickly and there's a due process concern here um, that they they deserve more process. What does that even mean? It doesn't even make any sense. They say that the administration was acting in a quote, arbitrary and capricious manner. That's not arbitrary and capricious. This is the executive. This is the discretion of the executive branch. This is very similar, very similar to say, if someone came along and they, let's say a court came along and said, you know, you can't fire Jeff Sessions. You can't do it. I'm a federal judge and I'm, I'm, I, you know, because someone files suit, they say that that it's illegal for President Trump to fire Jeff Sessions. The federal court says, you know what? It is illegal to fire Jeff Sessions. Court has no jurisdiction there. That's the president's call. There, there is no way that a federal court has standing to say to the president, a co-equal branch of government, that in an area of your purview, you can't do that. It's up to his discretion. This is also up to the president's discretion. So how can how can the judge think about how convoluted this becomes, how, how bizarre this is now? If they can say that this is arbitrary and capricious, what can they not say is arbitrary and capricious that the president does? Can't they can't they claim that any regulatory rollback from the executive branch, arbitrary and capricious? You know, the president uh, negotiating a new NAFTA deal, arbitrary and capricious. He doesn't have to do that. He's just deciding to do that. This is really taking us into a place where you see that there's no good faith from the left when it comes to dealing with this administration. None. None. Their whole plan here is just to use everything they can, Alinsky style in the federal courts, to slow down, to obstruct and to mess up this administration. That is what they're doing. And it is lawless. This is lawlessness from federal judges make no mistake about it well it was a political decision made by a judge i think it's a disgrace it's 48,000 jobs 
I approved it. It's ready to start. And they went, and I guess they'll end up going to the Ninth Circuit as usual. Uh, we're slowly putting new judges in the Ninth Circuit. The Keystone XL pipeline has been blocked once again, folks. This is nothing less than politically driven judicial activism masquerading as law. It is, in fact, a a lawless, a stupid and indefensible decision. Um, Keystone XL, by the way, XL stands for Export Limited. Who knew that one? Fun fact. That's what I'm here for, to bring the fun facts in the hut. Um, So that's that's Keystone XL for you. But this federal judge blocked it. Um, judge Brian Morris of the United States District, District Court for Montana. I, I have so many thoughts on this. Let's start with this one. We always hear that Trump is essentially a dictator. Like he, he's this autocrat in, in waiting. And yet, or he's an autocrat already. And yet, when a single federal judge decides to override a point of executive branch policy, no matter how flimsy the pretext, and this is a flimsy pretext, by the way, but no matter how flimsy the pretext, uh, the the response from the administration is not, well, I'm just going to order the executive branch to override. I mean, that would start to get, that's a constitutional crisis, maybe, right? That starts to feel a little scary when the executive branch says, no, the judiciary doesn't have, doesn't have jurisdiction here. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Then I could understand people starting to get nervous, but no, that's not what Trump does. Trump says, OK, fine, we'll see you in court. Right. He completely has, has completely respected the system and wins in court. I mean, he won on the travel ban, for example, which everyone said, oh, it's so unconstitutional and all this stuff. But, yeah, it's so unconstitutional that Trump won with the travel ban issue, went to the Supreme Court and he was correct. So that's just point one of this is I, I hate that everything Trump does makes him an authoritarian. Everything Trump does makes him a despot. You know, firing Jeff Sessions, he's an authoritarian, but he has total, he has the right to do it. You know, he, he is allowed to fire Jeff Sessions. There's no, there's no prohibition on what he did under the Constitution. But they still say, oh, it's a constitutional crisis. No, it's not. But let, let's dig into this Keystone XL thing for a while. Well, what this does is uh, this one federal judge now means that they got to go back and redo the whole federal process to get approval for this. And, you know, this is this is there's a lot of symbolism here, as well as some important policy that's at stake. I mean, this the symbolism is, first of all, regulation and the slashing of regulations. Trump and his team realized that the federal government is involved in way too much stuff, way too many regular. There's way too much regulatory overreach. And it's just crazy. So this is an example of the government just gumming up the works on something that they have no real need to be involved. I mean, they are, should not be as involved and as slow in resolving any problems as they have been. So that that's you start with that one. All right. And, and then you also have the environmental component of all this. And this is where I just I just want to throw something at the wall, because the people that think that this is an environmental issue or a climate change issue don't know what the heck they're talking about. All right, let's start with this. I mean, the Keystone XL pipeline is an 1,179-mile pipeline. It would carry 800,000 barrels of oil from the Canadian oil sands to the Gulf Coast. And this has become a big political issue because 
You have all these environmentalist wacko types that say, well, this is this is bad. And you say, why is it bad? And they say, well, it's bad because. Pipelines can fail and then we could have an oil spill and that could be really bad for the surrounding environment, wherever, you know, in the areas that the pipeline traverses. You say, okay, but guess what? Pipelines are actually much less likely to fail and much, much safer from an environmental impacts uh, standpoint than rails are, than, than trains are choo choo, right? That, that's, so start with that. So that notion is just, that's just a falsehood. But the bigger problem, the bigger issue is they say, oh, but, but climate change is what's at stake here. This has become a symbol for the left, for the Sierra Club and these other uh, wacko lefty green groups out there, environmentalist extremist types. They think that there's going to be more CO2 in the air because of this. And so they want to stop it. Right. This is this is symbolic on the on the climate change issue. And here's the truth about that. If they don't allow this pipeline to go from the Canadian oil sands to the Gulf Coast, it will go east to west and be set up for transshipment to, you guessed it, Asian markets. So you'll just have tankers taking this stuff. They're not going to keep it in the tankers off the coast of Asia. They're going to use it. If climate change is truly a global issue, which they say it is, and as I point out, climate change is a real phenomenon that is meaningless. It's real. It just doesn't really have any meaning. It doesn't, doesn't change anything. <laughs> climate change doesn't change anything. Yeah, I know that sounds silly, but you know what I'm saying. There's, there's no imminent threat. There's no big problem. That's all nonsense. Okay, so... But you look at this, you say, hold on a second. The net effect of the Keystone XL pipeline crossing the United States in terms of the climate is non-existent. There is no effect. There's nothing. There, there's no reason to be concerned about what this will do to the environment and the environment because we, we can't stop Asia from getting the gas. It's coming out. All right, this is money in the ground. They're, they're pumping this stuff out. They've already gotten the approval for that. So, you know, but but this goes back to, you know, Obama as well. This was an Obama legacy item. Barack Obama rejected the Keystone permit in 2015. Why? Oh, that's right. Because he was just about to uh, negotiate the Paris Climate Change Accord. So this is really a religious climate change article of faith for the left. That's why they care so much about this. And they certainly don't care about the uh, the jobs, the construction dollars, the you know, all that they, they don't they, that doesn't factor into their analysis. They just want this to stop. Um, the pipeline has been looked at now for 10 years, I think. And and the federal judge that's slapping this down, you, you know what his explanation is? I mean, it's a 40, a 54 page long ruling, but I can tell you having skimmed through it today. He's basically saying it needs more study. And I don't like I don't like the conclusions they drew from this process therefore they need to redo the process and think more about the evidence that i think they should think about this is just a federal judge thinking that he can override the executive branch of the united states government because he says so because he thinks he's saving the planet this is lawlessness Uh, this is lawlessness but this is really a form of lawfare that the left is engaged in against the trump administration in general they say and this is just an extension, by the way, of of the same 
legal framework that they or really pseudo legal framework that they use to prevent the administration from stopping uh, from continuing. Well, stopping DACA. They say they didn't go through the process slowly and deliberately enough. It's not fair. Well, a judge doesn't get to decide what the executive process is for areas of executive discretion. Right? I mean, if you were buying a house and you decided to buy a house and then I showed up and I said, oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I don't know if you spent enough time touring the house before you bought it. You would say, but that's not your call. Like, this is irrelevant. You're not you don't get to tell me how much. I have to put into the deliberation about a decision that's mine to make. I get to make the decision. These judges, whether it's on DACA or on Keystone XL uh, Keystone XL Climate, Keystone XL Pipeline, that's what they're doing. They're taking upon themselves the right to tell the federal government, you need to think more about this before you can make this decision. I'm not saying you don't have the right to make the decision, but you need to think more about it. No, no, no. This is delay based on politics. This is hashtag resistance judiciary at work. That's what's going on here. This will get this will absolutely not survive higher judicial scrutiny. This is a joke, an absolute joke. But nonetheless, they think of it as a victory because for all their talk about institutions, for all the Democrats and the left's desire to portray themselves as the defenders of our democracy, they'll throw all this stuff out in a heartbeat if it means that they get power and they get their way. Democrats emotionally and psychologically are obsessed with getting their way at any cost. You've been hearing me talk about Black Rifle Coffee for a while now, so it should be obvious that this Veterans Day, the only thing you should be drinking is a delicious cup of veteran-crafted coffee from America's favorite coffee company, Black Rifle Coffee. I drink Black Rifle every morning. I have converted dozens of people in my office now from whatever corporate weirdo left-wing coffee brand they were drinking in the past to Black Rifle Coffee. Not only do they love the flavor, they love the fact that they're drinking coffee that's as good as anything you'll get in any fancy frou-frou bourgeois coffee store, but also they know they're supporting veterans and a veteran-owned company. And this Veterans Day... Get your coffee from Black Rifle Coffee and contribute to a company that's actually making a difference in the veteran community. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck and receive 15% off your order. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck for 15% off. Again, one more time for Veterans Day, BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. Special treat for all of you this Friday. We have with us the uh, folks from Black Rifle Coffee. You know them because, one, they sponsor the show. Thank you, guys. The lights, they're on because of you. So we <laughs> appreciate you. that. Thank the you. hut has heat and running water because yeah. of you guys, which is very much appreciated. I was actually just talking about how I do drink my Black Rifle every morning. Um, and, and I've... is is it, Black coffee is keto, right? So if I'm trying to... Yeah. <laughs> that, that counts. I yeah. can drink my Black it Rifle. ketosis. Yeah, you could. That's right. Ketosis. Yeah. I read about it. I wish I actually did it. That would make more sense. But we've got Evan uh, Evan Hafer with us now. He's a CEO. And Matt Best, who is VP and also the guy from all the funny videos. Although you're in the videos too, Mr. I am, Mr. yeah. Hafer. I'm I in a few you. of them. I think most of that is like a, it's a collaborative between the two of us. But my, my favorite is coming out as a conservative where yeah. he really plays the... Uh, antithesis of what evan stands for in being a very hyper <laughs> hyper progressive individual and it's 
quite hilarious. Were, weren't yeah. you a progressive suicide bomber in one? Did I say that? Uh, that was Jared. But oh, that was yeah, Jared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jared. I'm, I'm sorry. But he the was the guys. father. He was the father, <laughs> okay, so it worked dad. out just fine. Yeah. I do remember that. Yes. No, yes, indeed. I will tell you that I, I've sent many folks to uh, to familiarize with the, uh, them with, with what you guys do on the coffee side. By the way, where's my... I don't have a t-shirt. I'm just saying. We, we brought got you hats and t-shirts. They're yeah. in the green room. Look at this. They've yeah. got... You guys are always prepared. You're, you're a favorite. Not, we you're love you. We love your show. Dude, no. This is amazing. I, I Seriously, John, there's so much love in this room right now. I was going to start talking smack about how Nine Line <laughs> gives me all this gear, so I walk around my Nine Line t-shirt drinking my Black Rifle coffee, but now I can go all Black Rifle. You all know, they're the a veteran-owned company. We're partners with them in some pretty awesome stuff, so we're all about it. No, I know. You know well, teamwork I was makes your, the dream work. I was at your team opening yes. in Savannah where you had Black yes. Rifle and Nine Line. I think of you guys as like brother companies, so... Anyway, but I just like to play you off each other so I get more free gear. <laughs> of right? course, in of course. So, all right, so yeah. let's, we got some real stuff going on here. Um, we have Veterans Veterans Day coming up, obviously. Yeah. And, and you guys are involved in, in some initiatives. Why don't we start with that? And then I just want to talk to you generally about how you think the veteran community is doing right now, you know, how, how the Trumpster is going with all that stuff. But first, what, what's some of the good stuff that you're, you're working on? For veterans right now, let's start with you. Evan. The, the big one is it's it's veteran transition and employment. And for us, we're very concentrated on creating an ecosystem of Black Rifle Coffee that encourages a healthy employment environment for guys that are getting out of the military or civil service, where they're going to find an ecosystem that supports them. And it's really difficult. I think a lot of people haven't invested a lot of uh, intellectual energy into to trying to figure this out. When you have roughly 24 million people in the United States that have served the country, which accounts for an insignificant, when I say insignificant portion of the the employment of America, but it is very significant as far as service to our country and what we actually owe service members once they come back. Um, and with their underemployment numbers, because they're underemployed compared to the rest of the workforce, Black Rifle Coffee is really focused on creating this this holistic environment for them to excel. And I think a lot of people don't understand going from quite possibly one of the most non-corporate structured environments and non-PC environments, especially the combat-related military occupational skills, into corporate America. That's a long and hard pendulum swing for a lot of guys, uh, guys and girls. And what's the biggest thing they need in terms of help to transition, right? Because, I mean, I, I hear about this. I know you right. guys were in the community and now you're on the other side, successful entrepreneurs. But, you know, everyone knows everyone knows military has skills, discipline, all these things. Mm-hmm. Private sector wants those things. Is it just ha- helping military uh, military folks when they come out understand how to market those things to the private sector? Like, where's the dis... Or is it, is it the private sector doesn't really understand what the skills are? Where's it's, the disconnect? It's, that is part of it, right? So there's a couple different issues in that transition which have to be dealt with. One is the corporate entity hiring the veteran has to understand what they did. So break down their military occupational skill and then how long they were in and what positions, breaking down all of that experience... It's really easy to look at somebody with a four-year degree in business or whatever it might be and be able to put numbers to that and assess that person. The people on the other side in HR and recruiting typically know how to do that. Now, in HR and recruiting in corporate America, it's really difficult for them to understand what a guy has done in the military. It's very difficult. So part of that is just translating that experience over into the corporate environment 
then placing them in the right place. So that's part. And then two, when you're creating this, uh, you know, I, I count it, I, I equate it to creating a uh, communication that starts to train this person out of a military uh, communication procedures where they use a lot of acronyms. They use a specific type of candor that is somewhat non-PC when you look at a lot of veterans transitioning. Um, I've heard this a lot where I've got a veteran in my office and he's really aggressive. <laughs> I've heard that so many times. And it's... It's our communication style, yeah. not necessarily how they're they're acting. Right. And it's, you know, you have a mission first. So you have a person that is very mission oriented. They're driven to accomplish the mission. They don't want a lot of white no- noise. They've learned how to chop all that stuff away, go straight to the bone and try to get something done. Well, that can be interpreted. You know, when I get calls, when I get calls in from people all across the country all the time, I say I've got, and the guys are back here with us, about a 75% accuracy rating of, were you former military, sir or ma'am, just based on on the way we're talking, especially because we're down on an issue and the way Mm -hmm. they present information or whatever. But, you know, the the assertion, the rhythm, there's a a cadence to it that you get used to. So, uh, and that's not because they're telling our call screen or they're military, but usually I can having spent a lot of time with folks like you guys in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, you pick up on it. So there is definitely a communication style. There is. 100%. Yeah, so it's a translation. So taking how they were communicating their prior in their prior jobs. And a lot of these guys have spent, you know, 10 plus years now in a constant rotation cycle in Iraq and Afghanistan. When we look at September 11, 2001, that's, that was a long time ago now. We're looking at 17 years of operational experience and continuous deployments for a lot of these men and women that have served the country. Well, they're institutionalized in a, in a very specific way of accomplishing a goal and a mission. Well, taking that and then putting them into a corporate environment with zero translation and then expecting them to excel, there is an expectation there or an assumption that I think is somewhat inaccurate. They have to get, uh, 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 I guess, a training program that takes their military experience, translates that for the corporate environment, and then teaches the military, prior military service person and the corporate entity to communicate and work together a little bit more effectively. So what what specifically, and I want to get you guys on a mm-hmm. whole host of other issues too, but just before we go into a break here, what are the specific initiatives that you guys are doing? Where can people go? How can they find out how Black Rifle Coffee is helping veterans in this specific context? Well, the big one is 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 we we've got above a fifty percent higher rate at, at Black Rifle Coffee. So as we've expanded into Tennessee and Texas, we're continuing to hire more veterans, and our culture and our ecosystem is very military friendly. And our communication procedures, actually, civilians have to adapt to that more more so than the reverse. So that's one big one. Two, we're expanding into the more bricks and mortar sections of the business. So there'll be even more hiring opportunities for veterans. Or PenFed initiative as well. Right. And we've also teamed up with the Pentagon Federal Credit Union in order to launch the uh, Veteran Entrepreneur Investment Program. So if you're looking at starting a business, you can head over to Black Rifle Coffee or the Pentagon Federal Credit Union, submit an application, and Depending on how the application procedure goes, you could be funded by one of the companies in this initiative. We're talking to Matt Best and Evan Hafer of Black Rifle Coffee. We're hitting a quick break, team. We will be right back. 
Online security is essential. You know, just this week I was on a train. I had no choice but to use public Wi-Fi. You know, now you're on an unsecure network. Do you want someone to be able to track what you're doing, sell it to a third party, maybe even hack into your system? What you need is a virtual private network. That'll protect you online. And ExpressVPN is the best one you can find. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of my computer, phone, and tablet. And the protection I get from ExpressVPN takes only one click. Seven bucks a month. That's all you need to get this going. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and you want to keep yourself secure online, check out ExpressVPN. Protect yourself today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash buck. That's expressvpn.com slash buck for three months free with a one-year package. Again, expressvpn.com slash buck to learn more to keep yourself secure. All right, so we're here in studio in NYC, the Freedom Hunt New York, baby. Uh, We've got Matt Best, Evan Hafer, the VP CEO, respectively, of... Black Rifle Coffee, which I do drink every morning. It's actually nice to like a product, by the way, that you have to endorse. So thank, <laughs> right. you, thank you, gentlemen, for making delicious coffee. I do, I do very much appreciate it. Um, but but uh, I want to ask, just, we got Veterans Day, Veterans Day coming up, Matt. How are veterans doing in the country right now? I think they're doing pretty phenomenal. You know, I think we don't give enough credit to um, people post-GWAT, even though it's still going on, and, and their successes in the civilian uh, community. Um, you know, I think there are still a lot of issues that we have to combat as a veteran culture and civilians have to understand that veterans are hyper successful and hyper talented individuals. And then the very small segment that actually need outreach and help, you know, as a company, Black Rifle Coffee, we really try to combat that partnering with com- um, organizations like the boot campaign in the Warriors Heart is really getting the individual treated for their specific issues. And some of these um, organizations like the Warrior Heart, they're actually doing blood work and mental testing and finding out what's wrong with that said individual and then putting them through the appropriate treatment and then reassembling and back them into civilian culture and and making sure that the success rates, I mean, I think they have like an 80-something percent success rate that people are getting past their issues, whether that's a um, a moral issue, a PTS issue, a mental health issue. There's, it's, it's pretty amazing, and I couldn't be more proud of where the community's at today. But you know, you never settle. Um, we're always going to do better, and it's up for us to look out for veterans because everybody says uh, we want to support veterans, but um, when it's time to support them, they tend not to. And I really just want to rally the civilian community, the veteran community, and come together to support the people that have put life, limb, eyesight on the line to protect the freedoms that we enjoy every single day. And I mean, we live in the greatest country in the world, hands down. And we do that because of so much years of sacrifice, not just our generation, but past generations through the whole, the, since the inception of um, America. 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 <laughs> we all, we all America. do love America. But, yeah. I mean, you know, Evan, uh, when, when I look at what's going on across the country, I mean, I will say that it feels like you, every, everywhere you look these days, there's, you know, the, there's, new, there's new initiatives to try to do something to help veterans, whether right. it's dealing with PTSD issues, as Matt was talking about, or, or j- just in general to, to, to celebrate the service and sacrifice of the, of the veteran community. So is it still trending in that direction, though, even though there's not the same level of, look, let's be honest, there's not the same level of active combat operations. I know right. there's still guys in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. I'll let Evan not- speak to that, too, but people forget we have a war still going on. Right. There are still men and women out there outside of the wire getting blown up, getting shot at every single day. We cannot forget that. Oh, we just that. had that no. green on blue attack in exactly. Afghanistan right. last week. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that absolutely needs to be. Uh, by the way, I also think that Afghanistan, I'm, I'm curious, I'll get your take on this one, too. Uh, Afghanistan is a place that no one wants to deal with the reality, which is that 
it's not going to work. I don't think it's going to work. Meaning that the plan there is the same plan it was 10 years ago and the same plan it was there years before Well, that, that's, so. that's an interesting point. You know, even when I was there, my first rotation to Afghanistan in 2009, I would jokingly say America's plan is just more cash. That's basically what their plan is. And I would always say, hey, we need more plan. We need more plan. We need more plan because they just like to throw money through a, a combination of things in order to try to fix a problem. Well, that that doesn't really get the job done. You have to have long-term strategic goals that are met you know, month by month, year by year. And you do have to have a plan in order to get out of the country eventually. So I, I would say, yes, I agree with you in that. I would say part two is the first part of your question, which is how are we doing as far as as these veteran initiatives in order to transition guys more effectively, take care of them? Is there just as much inertia? I would say there is, and I think it's getting better because you've had a lot of white, when I say white noise, you've had a lot of these foundations in the last, we'll we'll call it two decades that were non-effective. And some of them were started by people that maybe had great intentions, but ultimately didn't quite understand how to fix some problems. And that doesn't mean they weren't good. It just means that these guys have long-term and sometimes systemic problems that came from combat. Uh, and there's a lot of institutions that didn't quite understand. You know, it's not a car wreck. It's not, uh, and trauma is trauma, but it's a very specific type of trauma. I think we're at a point now with the community that we've focused in with several really good foundations that know what they're doing and have a lot of experience doing it. So I think they're becoming more effective, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So there's, yeah. there's less, but there's more. So they're doing it more. They're getting more effective at this over I think time. So. I've actually yeah. also heard stories about some of the new uh, advances in particularly some of the uh, prosthetics and other technology right, to absolutely. deal with very serious wounds. I mean, really... I don't know how to say it, a very futuristic space age kind of stuff that's coming as a result. But the brilliance of, the of that, how much uh, military technology applies to the civilian sector? I mean, if we apply resources and funding to getting better, you know, prosthetics for military amputees, well, subsequently, then the girl born without a leg, we can actually apply those same that same technology right. and see a six-year-old walk for the first time. Like, it, it, it's one team, one fight. And, and we don't want to have these segmented. Um, we're, we're, we're Americans as veterans, but... They're still the men and women who raise their hand to put themselves knowingly in harm's way. And there has to be the utmost reverence for the people that did that. Well, and I could, I'll back that up with with the, you know, the, the House, Senate and the executive office. Basically, when we look at the approval of these wars, we have to look at not only funding the war, but looking at taking care of the men that have volunteered to do the actual act. So when we sign up for these 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 wars in, in Central Asia, the Middle East, or wherever they are, we can't just look at the budget for invasion. We have to look at how many people are going to be affected and being able to take care of them for the rest of their lives. And I think, this is my feeling, I think there has been a lack of emphasis in both the House and Senate in being able to take care of veterans effectively. There's been more priority in the VA and the system, but veterans have seen a lot of their their funding for education and things like that they've seen that dwindle and be cut and there's less priority on that because we want these wars but we don't want to pay for the bill when it comes and now that's an absolute tragedy 
it's an absolute tragedy that as, as a society, we can vote to say, yay, we're going to war, but we're not going to take care of our veterans. It is the ethical responsibility of the state. So for people listening to this across the country right now, guys, how, how can, I, th- I feel like people that are tied in the veteran community, they already have, first right. of all, they are veterans or they're you know related to or, or married to veterans. Uh, but for, for the civilians out there who are like, you know, it's veterans say, I'd like, I'd like to do something. I'd, right. I'd like to actually take some kind of a positive step or action to to uh, to assist and with all these things you're talking about. What, what would you recommend? Where should people start? That's a, that's a loaded question. Right? I would just say participate, vet, and act, right? So you have to participate in the veteran community. You have to vet to make sure that the organization and the people are true and honest, and then action. You know, work requires action, and you can talk and throw hot air out there all single day, but you have to participate to an individual level to make a difference. And, you know, you could there's lots of amazing organizations out there. You just have to find them yourself, do the action, do the work, vet it, make sure that they're consistent in their, their ethical behavior, and then action on it and, and do the work. Evan, anything from you? Yeah, I think you know, for us, too, I think we've worked with so many of these different organizations. We do a ton of outreach specifically within the veteran community. We have products that are specifically designed to just support for instance, uh, Warrior's Heart, all the profit. Thin Blue that, Line for LEO. All the profit goes back to that organization. We're, we're not profiting whatsoever. That would be completely unethical for Black Rifle to do. Uh, what I say is vote with your dollar. Support the companies that support the community. Uh, so if at, at the very least, you can go to Black Rifle Coffee and buy the Warrior's Heart Coffee, and you know that you're going to be doing something for the veteran community. Evan Hafer, Matt Best. Gentlemen of Black Rifle Coffee, thank you, first of all, for your service, especially considering it's Veterans Day. We're here talking about Veterans Issue. Thank you for your service. Thank you. And, thank you. Uh, and also, uh, thank you for, for all that you guys do. Always and, a pleasure and, to be on the show. And for the delicious coffee, by the way. It's <laughs> yeah, very, man. very good. All right, we'll be back in a moment, team. Stay with us. Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. Oh, yeah, Roll Call time. And I'm up here at NYC for the weekend. You know, even though it's kind of a glum day here in the city, it's it's cold but rainy. You know, I'll I'll take snow over cold and rainy any day. You know, at least snow has a certain charm to it. You know what I mean, John? The cold rain, you're like, so now I'm wet and I'm freezing, and I don't even get to throw snowballs at people. Like, there's nothing to recommend that. But it's still great to be up here in New York City. I mean, I haven't smelled that particular odorific mix of street urine, black tar coming out of the uh, tailpipes of big trucks and whatever trash bags have been left to rot on the streets for a few days in a while. I miss it. You know, I miss it. I'm like, ah, yes. Ah, yes, that scent, that smell. It is New York. It is so fantastic. It assaults assaults my nostrils like an invading force. But I love it so much. Yeah, New York is uh, quite a... Quite a place. Um, I really do miss it, though. I like I like being back up here. I'm visiting the family and Miss Molly for the weekend, which is exciting. All right. Now, uh, let's get right to it. We're going to have a double roll call because it's Friday. Friday. You know, I actually had a guy in my... I've got a great crew, TV crew at, at Hill TV. I mean, the actual guys that run the cameras and everything. And one of them said to me, um, uh, Thursday is Friday Junior. And I like that attitude. I need more of that. I need more of that random positivity in my day-to-day. All right, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton if you want to be a part of any of this. Now, let's get to it. 
Tom writes, thank you for calling out fake Jake Tapper. So sick of other conservatives stick up for him and call him fair. Also, I'd love to hear the liberty loving Latino Chris Salcedo cover when you're off. Stay safe down there in the swamp. Shields high. Yeah, well, you know, I've uh, I've once or twice had some interactions with Jake where he showed himself to be a thin skinned, nasty and uh, somewhat underhanded fellow. Uh, So I I have I do not have anything positive to say about the man uh, in, in any sense. I think that what he does on TV is largely fraudulent. I think that his. His uh, virtue signaling via just extraordinary love of heroes all the time is about brand building more than it is really giving a, giving a much of a care about anybody who's actually putting themselves in harm's way. And I think that he's part of really the the forefront of the vanguard of what happens at CNN all, all the time, which is the laundering of liberalism through a prism of neutrality. So they're not giving you left wing bias, you see. They're not giving you a narrative that, the Democrats want to hear the Democrats, of course, that pr- comprise 90 percent plus of their audience. They're just giving you the facts and their audience loves that because they think, oh, I watch CNN. I'm not like some of those people that watch Fox. And, you know, it, you're just not a very sophisticated thinker. If you really believe that people who watch Fox are getting skewed news, but people who watch CNN are getting the truth. You're just not sophisticated in your in your news consumption. You, you may be, you know, a brilliant astrophysicist, but you don't understand how media works. Uh, and so I think Tapper is part of what is essentially a, a daily fraud. Uh, and there's that. Uh, but there's a whole crew. I mean, Don Lemon, same thing. Chris Cuomo, same thing. I mean, it's not just Tapper. There's a whole bunch over there. There are some objective journalists. I mean, when I say objective, pardon me. There are some journalists that I think strive for objectivity. They're still left of center, but I think they do make a real a real point of it. But Jake, he fills a role over there, which they go, oh, well, you know, Tapper will call out. He'll call out both sides. Not really. Once in a while, just just enough to make it seem legit, but not really. Um, so I'm glad to hear that uh, you agree with that assessment, Tom. Uh, let's see here. Johan writes, hello, Buck, was listening last night and you mentioned the Caribbean parade in New York City. I'm pretty sure we call it the West Indian Day parade and it happened in Brooklyn. You're correct, Johan. It is the West Indian Day parade. The reason you brought it up was because a, a caller inquired about the device that detects gunshots. You made the right connection about the two. I worked in Queens in the 80s, and every year they asked volunteers to work overtime for that parade. I know of no one that did. Um, yeah, for whatever reason, the the West Indian Day Parade, there's a lot of gunfire in Brooklyn. Not at people necessarily, although I think that's happened too, but celebratory gunfire is a thing that would happen. And some people don't seem to understand that when you fire from, say, a rooftop or a yard up in the air, those rounds, what goes up must come down. Uh, so it's a it's a very serious public safety threat. It's not just like a noise ordinance issue. I know all of you know that, but some other people go, oh, yeah, you fire guns off in the air. I remember I had a friend when I was in, um, uh, when I was in Iraq, he told me that right before I was actually in the facility we were discussing, uh, he said that the Iraqi, there was some kind of Iraqi soccer team win, and all of a sudden... There was it sounded like it, there was rain on the rooftop where he was, and it was actually uh, AK-47 rounds that were pinging off the rooftop because nearby there were people who were firing in the air in celebration, firing AK-47s in the air. Uh, yeah, that, that's the thing that happens. Um, Frail writes, please, I beg you, make your show either downloadable on your website or available on SoundCloud uh, again. Um, you can't download off of iHeartRadio. 
I can't download and listen to the podcast offline. Um, yeah, I'd, I I don't know why we can't be on Sound. John, why can't we be on SoundCloud? Is there a reason? No SoundCloud? No, no, not allowed. I don't, you don't know why? Okay, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to figure that out. Uh, why can't be on on SoundCloud? Uh, Douglas writes: Tell Crystal to stop calling everyone a racist. Um, uh, Doug, you know if you saw this morning, I I. I just will say that I, I obviously did not like my co-host's analysis on that point, and I, I just have to I have to leave it there for now for the sake of of comedy. Uh, I'll leave it there. Um, Keith writes, Buck, what happened in Florida with Al Franken in Minnesota is nothing new. In 2004, Dino Rossi won the initial count for state governor in Washington State against Christine Gregoire. Then an activist group in Seattle, Acorn, claimed they found a bag of votes missed in the initial count. This bag of magic votes were counted and Gregoire still lost the election. So Acorn found yet another bag of magic votes and Christine, one more bag, Gregoire won the election. The state and the city of Seattle have been marching off the left coast cliff ever since. I was born and raised here, but I retired two and a half years. I feel bad leaving the state in my rearview mirror. Even the lefty sister moved to Missoula because it's so bad. Keep up the good fight. From Keith. Uh, well, Keith, thank you so much for writing in. And yep, people cheat in elections. There's voter fraud. It does happen. People cheat in elections. I know we're supposed to. We're always told, oh, no, that never. They would never do that. People do a lot of crazy things. The craziest among them would not be trying to cheat in an election, especially think of it this way. If you really believe that fascism is coming to America, would a, would a little voter fraud really uh, be too much for you? You know? I'm not advocating for voter fraud. I'm just saying if you were crazy enough to believe that, you know, voter fraud was coming to America. I mean, sorry, that uh, fascism was coming to America. I feel like you would probably be willing to break some some voting laws um, and, and, and even be willing to suffer the consequences of breaking them. That is that is my sense of it. So there you have it. Um Let's see what we got here. Hold on. What's next? Uh, Eric writes, Buck, I wouldn't say it's a draw, the 2018 midterms. We gained enough seats in the Senate that he can push through any nominee with no problems. Can't wait for the Dems in the House to negotiate with the president. Hopefully he will stand on conservative principles. Eric, Eric, I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. It's really a win in both directions. I mean, I'm not, you can quibble with whether or not we should we should describe that as a draw. I would just say that... Uh, there's going to be no deal with the House. I mean, Pelosi, I, I wonder if she's going to try to rope-a-dope Trump, but she knows better than she's not going to get him. It's not like she's, I'm, not, I'm going to say it, it might sound a little mean. She's not dealing with Bush. You know, she's not going to swindle him with some fake olive branch. Then all of a sudden it's, oh, you know, I, I think maybe Nancy Pelosi wants to be friends. No, false, untrue. Nancy Pelosi does not want to be friends. She does not want to do a deal with you. Trump knows that. And I, I just can't see there being anything other than the most just, you know, not real kind of outreach situation with Pelosi. That, that's how I see it, at least. That's my uh, estimation of where all this is going. People, I know they talk about infrastructure. Well, the Democrats are going to say, you know, it has to be uh, all all union labor that does it. And they're going to they're going to all these little side pork projects and stuff. They're going to make a mess of the whole thing. It's not going to be, oh, what can we do to most efficiently 
improve our infrastructure. Democrats have no interest in that. They just want to take your money and give it to other people so that they can be in power. That's really the Democrat mantra. More roll call coming up. Like soft butter on warm toast. Time to spread some freedom coast to coast. It's time for Roll Call. Roll Call Part 2. It's always fun when the Black Rifle guys come by, isn't it, Mike? It's like I get to hang out with the cool kids for the day. You know what I mean? They're they're a fun bunch. I like them. You can hear me. Can he not? Yeah, he's just ignoring me. It's all right. Producer Mike, I how often am I in New York? And you just ignore me. It's like I'm not even here. Doesn't have his earpiece in. I know you're pulling clips and making the show happen. Hey, but, man, this, but, uh, I can multitask though. I, I like to get. I like to give you a hard time. I was just saying the black rifle guys. It's like I get to hang out with the cool kids in the high school. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, they're yeah, very exactly. nice guys. They're fun. To no, hang they're out great. With. They're they're, and then the company is doing incredibly well, which is it's so nice to see people that uh, are great guys and doing all these cool things and also are being really successful and not. Uh, not letting it change them at all either, which is cool. And they, they just, they just come by here and tell us some stuff and hang out. It's great. They They're in New York. I know they came back. With, they came by with all this swag. I'm gonna have to start working awesome. out so I look okay in this black rifle T-shirt. That would be that would be a good a good start to things. Um, by the way, do you drink the coffee? By the way, Mike, do you ever drink? it? You hook it up, right? I do. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It, is it actually good. is really. Good. I know it sounds like we're doing a black yeah. rifle infomercial this hour, yeah. but it actually is. That's good. Quite delicious. I actually like their. Uh, they have their coffee mugs or and their accessories they have on their website. Yeah. Like their coffee mugs are really cool. They're big and I like them. Yeah, BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. Everyone check it out. All right. So uh, I said, I said roll call. I meant roll call. I was not intending on skipping past the uh, the roll call. Jen, I'm about as sick of hearing a constitutional crisis as I am common sense gun control. Jen, I totally and completely understand. I'm sick of it, too. A constitutional crisis, dear libs, it does not mean something that you do not like. That is not what a constitutional crisis is. That that does not count as a constitutional crisis. So I, I just think it's important that everybody understand. Let's get on the same page with that one right now. That is not what it means. Uh, let's see what we get here. Dennis writes, Buck, if you're going to wear a sport coat, you need a tie. Dennis, I'm going to throw a flag on that one. I don't think that. I don't think that's true. What do you mean you can't wear? I think sport coat. I think if you're going to wear a suit, maybe you you know a tie is a little bit more apropos. But I don't think sport coat and tie necessarily go together. I think sport coat no tie is the way to go. You know what I mean? I don't know. What do you think? By the way, producer Mike, I got a little heat recently because someone saw me wearing a navy suit with with like chestnut brown shoes. I got some heat online. I feel like you wear chestnut brown shoes whenever you want. Black yeah. shoes black shoes are for weddings and funerals. Everyone needs to just check themselves before they wreck themselves. Yeah. I'm just I, saying. I wear brown shoes. I have a gray suit that I wore recently. And I the wore the, the problem with black shoes is that all black shoes kind of look the same, you know? And if they're shiny, you better be wearing a tuxedo with them. That's all I can tell you. Whereas brown shoes, the richness of the leather, the contrast, the contour, the quality can come through. Black shoe is a black shoe, you know? It's just not that exciting. Yeah, that person obviously didn't know how to dress. I'm not going to say it, but I'm not going to not say it, Mike. You know, probably probably could have sent me a photo of his square-toed loafers. Yeah. That's what I'm here Ooh. for. Say thanks. Ooh, yeah, that's right. Producer Mike can can drop bombs. I have to be the uh, I have to be the diplomatic one at all times here. Um, Kenny writes, "Hey, Buck. One other thing. I wouldn't get too ahead of ourselves that Whitaker is friendly and fair. We've heard that before, only to be disappointed and shocked. We also thought Jeff Sessions was going to light it up." 
And sadly, it appears that he was put in a box by deep state forces. I don't think Sessions had much choice but to behave. I'd like to know how they accomplished Sessions handcuffing, but I don't necessarily blame him. Almost anyone else might have reacted similarly. Uh, yeah, I, I think that Sessions gets a raw deal on this, guys. I'll be honest with you. He he had to recuse himself or they just were going to freak out and, and make him crazy. I mean, I don't think he had a choice but to recuse himself because of the noise the media was going to make over the whole thing. And he was good on policies. And that, that's important. Everyone needs to understand that he was good on policy. And I think that, uh, you know, people should keep that in mind as they kind of celebrate that Sessions is gone, although I do disagree with them on marijuana. And this is a really a generational thing because I know a fair amount of you listening very much disagree with me on marijuana legalization. I, I feel pretty strongly about it, not because I, I, I don't smoke marijuana and I, I have not in a couple, almost two decades now. I think it's been almost two decades since I had smoked marijuana. It's been a Yeah, I know John, right? Who would have thought? And and I grew up in New York City where there were drugs all over the place, but uh, I was not somebody who would. Uh, in, I just I just never thought it was a good idea. I don't know. It was never really my thing. Um, but I do think that for criminal justice reasons, you, you shouldn't go to prison for marijuana. Uh, that's just how I feel about that. All right, Hannah writes. Heck yes, Buck time. I feel as if Trump has been laying in wait to see how this election went to go. Full Duke Nukem on the left. I'm glad I just bought some popcorn. Shields high, Hannah. Yeah, this is the one thing about the ugly arrow we find ourselves entering here. Um, We, I think, are assured to see Trump engaged in what Trump does best, which is just political pugilism. He's going to be throwing down with libs left and right, and they can't beat him at that game. They really can't. They've tried, but I think he'll do well. Uh, hey, man, this is from Alex. What's the name of that pro Second Amendment gun book you talked to the author about not long ago? I thought it was called First Freedom, but couldn't find it. Thanks. And Shields High. It is, in fact, Alex, called First Freedom. And it is a, a book written by David Harsanyi, who's a very talented, very nice fellow writer um, that uh, is a senior writer for The Federalist. First Freedom is his book. I recommend it to you, and uh, I've always liked David. I thought he's a good guy. I think he's a good guy. Uh, One more here. Jennifer writes, hey there, great show as always. Quick suggestion, garlic press. In everything I cook, garlic and shallots makes an appearance somewhere. A good quality garlic press is a must. Also, a bar of stainless steel soap to get the onion stink off. These are a must. Okay, I could could get in with that. Um, Garlic press. I did get a basting brush recently, which is very exciting. I have a basting brush now, so I can just baste things. That's going to be it for uh, Freedom Hut NYC today, my friends. Be with you next week. Ready for it all. Shields high. I've had to do hiring in the last year, and it's a jungle out there, folks. There's a lot of people sending out crazy resumes. You don't know if it's true. You don't know what's going on. You know what's not smart? Hoping you get lucky when you're hiring for a position. You know what's not smart? putting it out there on one site that you don't know much about and just assuming, well, people will find me. Hire the smart way. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash buck to hire the right person. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's powerful matching technology, scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply so you get qualified candidates fast. 
That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over a 1,000 reviews. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. Again, one more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. 